Hello there, welcome to Talent and Growth. I'm your host, Paul Church. This is the podcast dedicated to talent attraction and talent retention. This is episode 93. We're on the countdown to 100 episodes. Can you believe it? And today, we are joined by the amazing Felicity Halstead, who is the CEO and the founder of Good Work, who are doing some amazing things. And we're talking around today um, how we can use social mobility and maybe even redefine what social mobility is to, to open up new talent pools, which of course we're always eager to do. Um, Good Work's an incredible cause, um, and it's a great story from Felicity in terms of her journey to setting it up to uh, the impact they've already started to have. So um, I hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you enjoy this episode, if you're enjoying the podcast series, like us, give us a review, share with us, tell a friend, keep it going. Um, And here is Felicity. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Felicity, welcome to Talent and Growth. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this. Absolute pleasure, and, and please, it would be great if you wouldn't mind just sharing a bit of uh, about you and your background, your very interesting background, I should say, leading up to, I suppose, what you do with Good Work now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm Felicity Holstead. I'm the founder of Good Work, which is a non-profit uh, that supports young people from less privileged backgrounds into interesting, rewarding careers, and we particularly work with those who haven't been to university and tend to get kind of filtered out of job of recruitment processes um generally with you know that has no reflection on their actual skills or ability to to do a role so that's what i do now um i my background is in consulting so i worked in uh, kind of people and talent consulting after leaving university up until um just over a year ago um but while i did that I started working with young people um, who were looking to access opportunity. Um, I set up and ran a widening participation program in my old firm. And I realized after a few years that that was the bit of my job that I loved the most. It was the thing I was most passionate about, Um, but that I also saw some really big gaps in the market for you know doing things slightly differently in that space that that would help businesses to to reach more talent and also help the young people who tend to get excluded from those sorts of opportunities so as i say i took the plunge um in august 2021 left my job went freelance um and have spent the time since kind of figuring out what that is um what that what that looks like and and the answer is good work and what's that process been like for you getting to I suppose where good work is now and of course I'm sure you've got lots of plans for the future but what's that process been like along the way? Good question I have spent I think when I look back now I realize that I had absolutely no idea what I was doing which I think is probably true of most people starting any business I think I kind of had an idea and I knew what I wanted our product for want of a better word our service to look like And actually the service that we're offering is still very true to that initial vision. But in terms of all of the practicalities of how you fund an organization, we're in the kind of slightly weird space in that we're not actually a registered charity, but we're also not a profit-making business. Um, All the legal structures and all of that. And it, it was really a process, and I think a process for me as well, of freeing myself from having that full-time job that felt on that like it was on that kind of career trajectory that I needed to kind of step away from because I knew being the kind of person that I am that I was just going to keep wanting to go for promotions and 
you know, kind of throw myself into that. And, and I needed to kind of take a step away and really reflect in order to fully commit myself to doing what, what I do now. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, I always laugh. I mean, I went freelance fairly quickly and started doing freelance work. Um, but I hadn't even really planned to do that. I think I just had some savings and I was like, I'm just going to quit my job. Um, so I'm not sure what I thought I was going to live off after that first couple of months, to be brutally honest. Um, luckily I, I managed to work that out. Um, but yeah, that process has been fantastic. It's involved getting to meet lots of incredible people working in the HR and talent and people spaces, um, which is kind of how I met you as, you know, about, you know, you know, wanting to to talk to you about the kind of work that we're doing and and see what you know what you thought of it and I've had very similar conversations with lots of amazing people um and as a result I've built a board um of fantastic advisors who you know voluntarily you know give us their time and help us develop the work that we do um and we've built relationships with businesses who are keen to take on young people through our program and built relationships with job centers and community organizations who can point us, point young people in the direction of our program. But setting up that whole kind of ecosystem around what we're trying to achieve, it's been an awful lot of work and there really is no roadmap. And I think persistence to me has been like key. It's just kind of, you know, keeping really dead set on that vision and figuring all the rest of it out as we go. But yeah, it's really a process. I don't think anyone's ever really prepared for for starting a business unless maybe you've done it before. But for me, it was kind of just realizing that, you know, I could do that was, was actually part of the process, you know, being fairly early on in my own career. wasn't really something I'd thought about before. And then I kind of ended up doing it by accident. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I've I've set up my business this this year, my business partner, and uh, I think when you set up a business, it comes from a passion or it comes from an idea, and and you, I suppose, you think you're going to be doing most, spending most of your time uh, implementing that or executing that, and of course, you're not. You're doing everything else that, that all the all the infrastructure and keeping those weird, those plates spinning behind the business, and that's that's the that's the real wake up call, and that is the thing. That's what I think you learn, but that's an art as well. So I think. Um, you can learn a, you learn a hell of a lot in your first year things you never knew existed don't you oh yeah 100 percent. I mean I unashamedly say like I had no idea how things like that worked um I had no idea about you know anything to do with accounting or legal structures or anything like that and and that has been a massive process but I think it's also really reflects what one of the core values of good work is or kind of core principles of good work is which is that actually as human beings we're generally all fairly capable and if we're given the opportunity to learn about something um we're we're pretty capable of figuring it out and certainly that's been applicable to my own kind of journey um as a as a founder for one of a better word not not journey that's a that's really cheesy (laughs) <laughs> and of course, we, we met each other on our journeys last Thursday, didn't we? Or last Thursday? Yes. Last Wednesday at uh, the Talent yeah. and Growth Live event. Mm-hmm. How did you How did you find it? Was anything that Was there anything any take homes for you from the event? Um, I found it super interesting. I mean, I think I I met some really great people as well, um, which is always wonderful. Um, and I I found it really interesting. I think not coming from like an HR kind of operator background myself, my my background being in in people, it's always really interesting to hear, you know, the perspective of people who ha- are the true professionals in that space and have been working in that space for a really long time. Um, but I do think that there is a 
con- there's a real divide, there's a real gap between the experiences, for example, of people who are recruiting talent and the experience of those who are struggling to access the job market. And I think as we've heard people say numerous times over the last 12 months um, and, and longer, you know, there's a real perception of a war on talent at the moment and like a deficit of talent out there and that it's a candidate's market. Um, and I think we heard people were talking a little bit about that on on Wednesday, but I think all it really told, I think one of the things it really told me was how much work there still is to do for for people like me to really start to bridge that divide because that's not the experience that we have running good work. It's not the experience of the young people that we work with. Um, and so as a result, like, I, I think it's a really fantastic opportunity to to really understand, you know, what are people looking for? And I think so much that people say about values and vision and principles are completely aligned with what we do, but we are still quite stuck in our in our ways in terms of how we look at and identify talent and particularly when it comes to entry-level um candidates that's something i really want to unpick so yeah i think that was i'm not sure if i actually answered your question there for which i apologize but um i think those are my main reflections i think coming away from that event and i actually went to another event the following day um that was particularly focused on gen z and and hiring gen z um and I think coming away from from both of those sessions, that that really was my my main thought was well, we really need to to do some more work around supporting young people to just access these opportunities because I keep hearing recruiters saying that they're struggling to find great candidates and there's so many amazing people out there. Absolutely, and I think that leads us on nicely to let's let's yeah. talk about the the vision and the mission yeah. for good work. Yeah, absolutely. So our vision um, is of a uh, a world, a marketplace, I guess, in which talent is identified through strengths and through aptitude, um, and particularly at entry level, that's our specialty um, for, for now, at least. Um, we think about people in context, we think about their life experiences, what they can bring to roles and their aptitude to learn and to grow with a business. Um, and so what we would really love to see is businesses stopping using things like degrees um, at any level. So not just the the two one degree, um, you know, the, getting rid of degrees as a requirement for entry level roles altogether um, to to not look necessarily at grades as the, the biggest marker of um, what a person can do and to start to, to really look at the whole person and take a more holistic view of how we transition young people from formal education into work. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our goal. Um, in terms of how we do that, we run a six month long early careers program in partnership with businesses who are kind of keen to take that leap with us in the first instance. Um, we also do do lots of other things around that, like run workshops and do early careers advisory and run bespoke programs as well. But that core program that we are piloting early 2023 is kind of the the beating heart of that that mission and, and how we make that real, which is you know, bringing those young people who would never have accessed the sorts of opportunities that we're offering them into businesses that are keen to do something really different um, around how they hire entry level talent and upskilling those young people too. Um, and that's something that, that Good Work is particularly 
well placed to do because we have amazing people on our in our team and on our board who are specialists in learning and development and education um and are are really great at bringing together young people and you know getting the 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 most out of them and getting them really ready to work in a professional environment so yeah that's that's the kind of um yeah that's the goal really and today we're i suppose we're the title of this is how we open up our talent pools with social mobility but should we also just i suppose define or redefine what social mobility actually is and how we do that yeah absolutely so like the the technical definition of social mobility is it's where a person kind of ends up in different economic circumstances than they started life in so where their earnings are substantially different from their parents that it would technically put them into a different kind of socioeconomic bracket that is like the 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 bare bones definition of social mobility um but one of the things that as good work we recognize is that how that's manifested in the past has often been through programs that focus on access to university access to higher education and then often access to kind of your typical like corporate grad schemes for example um i'm not I'm not bashing that. Um, that's I, I went to university and I went into a corporate grad scheme. Um, but I think what we have to recognize is that it's not accessible for everybody and it's not the right option for everybody. So the evidence is really, really strong. Um, and it, it sounds kind of ridiculous to even say it because you think, well, obviously, but that link between educational disadvantage, socioeconomic disadvantage and lower educational attainment is really strong. So the more kind of adverse experiences you've had the you know if you've grown up in a less privileged environment if you've grown up in a disadvantaged area for example um you are less likely to do well in your GCSEs to do well in your A-levels or even to take A-levels and to go on to to university and and access work afterwards that's as I say it sounds really obvious but unfortunately that it doesn't really translate into into how we hire and as much as that is, as it is wonderful for the young people who are able to, you know, do well at school and access university and who want that as their path, whatever background they come from, we're not knocking that and we're not against that. Um, it doesn't really do anything for the more than 50% of young people who are left behind by that process, who don't get the grades that, that get them into university, who are skeptical about university and the debt that comes with it and the commitment that that is, um, particularly when they don't necessarily know what they want to do with their lives. Um, and it also doesn't translate into skills, particularly um, that, that are appropriate for work, you know, unless you're doing a very specific vocational subject absolutely don't want a doctor who's not been to medical school um but you know otherwise does a history degree impact somebody's ability to do a business development role i would argue not um and yet those sorts of things are are still things that people look for on on cvs so we are aiming at least to kind of redefine social mobility as as taking it really back to that to those bare basics and saying social mobility can look like lots of different things it can look like accessing university and going on to work for jp morgan or bloomberg or whoever if that's what you want to do with your life and if that is attainable for you and you're able to access those qualifications um but it can also look like not going to university going on to a great school leaver program or traineeship or into an apprenticeship um and working for a startup or starting your own small business or even getting into one of those big corporates through a different route 
Um, but there are myriad challenges with uh, the apprenticeship system and how that works as well that, that often makes it less accessible to, to young people. Um, and so we have kind of peeled it back as much as we possibly can so that our program is genuinely accessible to any young person if they have the motivation and the I don't want to say aptitude because it's not it's not quite the right word but can demonstrate that they have this the kind of strengths and the ability to develop the competencies that that we're looking for as a kind of basic um set set of things before somebody kind of accesses work gotcha okay and then so where do we start with this strategy then? Now we've defined that, we've redefined social mobility. Where, where do we start this uh, this strategy to actually start opening up our talent pools? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few different things. And I think it really depends on the size of business that you're running. You know, if you're a big multinational corporate that takes on 500 grads a year, um, but I think it's, it's a really telling sign that we still use that terminology, grads. Um, it's about starting to to kind of rethink those approaches. And, and as I say, lots of organizations have started to do that through things like apprenticeship programs um, and school leaver programs. The challenge with those are often that apprenticeship education and training providers still have minimum grades that they require in order to enroll somebody on apprenticeship training. So it's still not as accessible as people would like you to believe that it is. Um, and and be with just moving away from that kind of graduate terminology that the graduate is the kind of gold standard regardless of of anything else so um and and if you're a small business um you you have a lot more flexibility and i think to give people lots of credit i do repeat i do much more frequently see you know startups for example scale-ups tech companies putting out roles that don't necessarily say you know minimum to one degree the challenge there is that if you're not actively engaging communities that are unlikely to be engaged with you, um, you're probably going to end up with a majority group of kind of graduates of Russell Group University. So I was talking to an organization recently who said, well, we took away the grad from our grad scheme and said, you know, it's open to anybody, but we still only hired grads. And the, the problem with that is that if you're not proactively making it accessible to other people, um, you're, you're probably going to end up doing that if you're looking for typical markers. Um, so so those are those are kind of really key things. So in terms of what organizations can start to do, um, I would say I would say this, but, you know, partner with an organization like ours because we're we're the specialists in this sort of thing and we can really help because we develop you know, assessment approaches, as well as have those networks with candidates, um, which means that, you know, we can make that process a lot less work. Um, but you don't have to do that. And if you're a, if you're a kind of micro company, um, for example, looking to kind of take on your first entry level hire, um, go along to your local job center and talk to them. I was talking to somebody um, from the DWP the other day who told me that in one borough in London, they've got over a thousand 16 to 24 year olds on universal credit. And, you know, if you were to multiply that by all of the boroughs in London and then across the UK, I think the latest figures are, um, you know, just short of a million young people in that age bracket who are on universal credit. And you cannot tell me that none of those young people have the aptitude to do well in a professional work environment. Oh, sorry. Um, you cannot tell me that none of those young people have the aptitude to do well. Um, but what, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that they are not being given 
the sorts of opportunities that are going to excite and energize them um or the sort of training that that they need as well and i think that's the other thing is young people need support when they enter work if you chuck somebody into um into a role um without any formal training without any oversight um the the likelihood is that it, it is going to be difficult and that's one of the things we saw with the government kickstarter scheme um that has recently i believe ended um yeah so so that that was a, a similar program in many ways um supporting businesses to take on young people who were on universal credit um but unfortunately it very much left it up to the organization to really enable those um to really enable those placements and to ensure engagement and as a result um often young people didn't have the best experience because they were frequently kind of being used by small businesses as a bit of of cheap labor and and not really being engaged with a view to them becoming a permanent employee and and their development being prioritized so um making sure that you are either able to give that young person lots of support internally in your organization or as i say work with an external provider like good work but we're not the only people out there who can do this sort of thing um to make sure that the young person has a positive experience and is able to kind of make the most of that placement yeah i think it's um i i speak to a few companies as well and i think it, it's it's good that we're looking at our job adverts and making sure we're taking off some criteria which may put off some um some pools of talent i think it's great we're using gender decoders and putting our adverts through that and that's great um, but then but just sitting back and waiting for those people to come to us is, is unfortunately not going to be enough i think that's a good start but you do need to partner if we're speaking more generally you do need to partner with you know businesses like yourselves or you know other agencies or or communities and go in there and say hey we want we want to work with you you know and, and i think you need to there really needs to be a proactive push i think that's still where some companies aren't quite quite some companies aren't quite realizing is, is, is that's right isn't it yeah, absolutely. So our um, internship program is open to applications at the moment. Um, it closes in a couple of days, but obviously we, we monitor where we get applications from. I think we've had possibly two from LinkedIn and all of the rest have come from job centers, have come from partnerships with community organizations, um, et cetera. So, you know, if we had literally just stuck our program on LinkedIn, we wouldn't have had any applications pretty much. And, and the ones that we did get through LinkedIn were people we would probably consider to be overqualified for the program. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Like you've got to do that proactive community engagement. And I think that's one of the reasons why it frustrates me no end when people describe, you know, young people like the young people that we work with as being hard to reach. Um, young people, they're not hard to reach. You just haven't tried. <laughs> it's, my, it's my honest response to that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how, how do we embed this then into our long term strategies? Yeah. So really good question. And it's one of the things that I think, unfortunately, particularly businesses that are small and growing need to really come to terms with, because I think I hear a lot of talk about, you know, D&I in um, senior leadership roles and DNI in, you know, VC funds and making sure that we're investing in founders from diverse backgrounds. I'm not I'm not suggesting that those aren't, you know, extremely important things to be doing and to be focusing on. But what I think is often the missing piece, um, particularly in the the tech world and the startup and scale up world, is that if you only focus on DNI 
in senior leaders and in founders, you are not resolving the problem at its kind of root cause, which is that you know, that that gap in terms of progression, in terms of pay, in terms of access to work starts the minute those young people leave school. I mean, it realistically started sooner, but in terms of kind of work related um, gaps. So if you as an organization say, oh, well, we're really committed, you know, we're trying to find brilliant, diverse senior leaders, um, but we don't hire entry level talent or we only hire entry level talent if they've got a degree from Oxbridge because, um, you know, it's too much work to kind of engage with with entry level talent. Otherwise, you are making that problem harder for yourself because you are making it harder for that next generation of young people to access those sorts of opportunities and therefore to progress through businesses so that they will be candidates to be your senior leaders in 10 years time to be the next generation of founders. Um, and so it's really important that businesses kind of take a, a long, hard look in the mirror um, when they they say that, you know, I completely appreciate if you're a five person headcount and you do something super, super specialist, you know, taking on a kind of generalist early talent hire probably sounds a bit scary and probably isn't necessarily going to be the best experience for that young person. But I think, you know, if you can take on any early careers hires at all, you can definitely work with a young person um, through a program like Good Work. Um, and it's unfortunately, it, it is kind of existing biases um, against the community that we work with that, that mean that so many organizations are um, a bit allergic to that idea, unfortunately, you know, it's not somebody else's job to train up the next generation. We've kind of all got to be part of that. Um, I think the other thing I would say about, you know, how do we embed this in the long term? I think having, you know, a really long think about, so yes, you're absolutely right, the way that we were job adverts, but also proactively going out and getting people to apply, thinking about our assessment approaches and making sure that they're strengths-based, making sure that we're looking at the whole picture of that young person and not using, for example, an A at A level as an indicator that somebody's going to be more talented than somebody else. Um, it's frankly a bit lazy and I don't think anyone really, really thinks that, that that's actually a particularly good way to hire. Um, but I do appreciate people have got, you know, lots on and sometimes it can be easy to, you know, do sifts on, on that basis. Um, you know, focusing on that training and progression piece as well. Um, you know, often people say, oh, you know, Gen Z are classic kind of, you know, career hoppers, they change jobs all the time. I think it may be true that that, that is the way that the market is going um, and that it's more normal to have portfolio careers than it was maybe for, you know, generations past. Um, but also take a look internally because I don't know many people who leave jobs in organizations that they love, that they get fairly compensated for, and that they, you know, have opportunities to grow in. And if you can't offer that to somebody, and it may be that you can't because you don't have space or you're not growing fast enough, then you should encourage them to go out and be an ambassador for your organization, but that, you know, to do it elsewhere in a job where they can grow. Um, and if you really care about people and talent and progression, that's gonna serve you as a strategy in the long run, a lot better than complaining about the fact that, that people leave because you actually had no opportunities for them to grow and, and for their promotion and progression. Um, I think it is absolutely true that this next generation of young people is really values and purpose driven. And so there are lots of ways beyond the kind of more traditional metrics um, that, that you can keep young people like this um, than, you know, rather than just, you know, paying people 
huge amounts of money um, because frankly, there are other organizations out there, particularly if you're a small business, you're probably never going to compete with the big banks and the big tech companies of this world. Um, but it's absolutely possible to retain great people and great young people if you are focused on making sure that they can have a rewarding career and that they have room to grow and that they're in an organization that, you know, actually lives its values. And of course, that all ties into our employer brand as well, doesn't it? So talk about this, how we can, how is this can positively, positively impact our employer brand as well? Oh, 100%. So, you know, we... Every everyone's got a DNI policy, right? And that's a really good thing because even when I entered the world of work, which was not that many years ago, um, DNI was still a bit of a kind of funny, weird thing that like the women cared about over in the corner. Um, and that might have been partly because I I kind of worked in defense industry when I started my career, which um, feels like a million million years ago and a million worlds away now. Um, but, you know, I think it's fantastic that so many organizations have those, you know, visible commitments now, but what are you doing to demonstrate impact? And that doesn't mean, oh, we, you know, ran a kind of work experience program where we got a couple of 16 year olds in for a week, we didn't pay them. And then we kind of sent them off, you know, to get, to get on with their lives. Unfortunately, program, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily have a huge amount of impact tie that in and it will serve both your talent acquisition, your employer brand and all your DNI, ESG, CSR, choose your acronym, um, metrics as well. Um, if you can tie in those sorts of programs to your employment pipeline, if you can get a young person who you've engaged to come into your, who you've engaged, you know, when they were looking for opportunity to come into your business, to succeed and then to go out and talk to the world about what a great organization you are and what positive experience they had that's going to have a positive impact not just on your target group of you know young people but also on retaining your existing people because they know that they work for an organization that is actually committed to to doing you know what it it says it's going to um so i think you know the the impact on employer brand you kind of can't overstate how substantial that can be um but i think there's also a real need and and again um with that kind of what does gen z want from the world of work work hat on um a real need to be authentic um and a real need to to demonstrate if you can positively impact one person and set them up as an and and bring that person into your business and they're able to then be an ambassador for your commitment to you know csr programs for example i'm not saying that we should kind of wheel people out as like a token um candidate but you know if you're able to genuinely demonstrate your authentic commitment rather than kind of doing something very small with a group of people once um which is what a lot of businesses kind of do to like tick the csr box um i think it's going to have a much bigger impact and we live in a world now where we're used to getting everything straight away we've got amazon prime we've got every song in the world ever immediately on spotify and that that goes into businesses because i think we want a quick fix immediately um so with this being the climate which we're in and we've become accustomed to how do we make a business case for investment in this longer term strategy and in, in entry level talent so I think one of the really great things is that it doesn't have to be as long-term as it can sometimes feel. So the long-term impacts are gonna be there. And you know, I would love in 10 years for us to be going back to these young people that we're working with today and saying, you know, what, 
what have their careers looked like and, and what's that impact been in the long term. But actually, you can start to have a demonstrable impact within three months, six months, 12 months, if you're willing to invest, particularly in young people who are unemployed and underemployed and actively looking for work. Because the reality is that that those young people are going to, to want those employment opportunities now. And if you're engaging with them through a program like ours, for example, and then you retain them after six months um, or after 12 months, that impact is really demonstrated in the fact that, you know, not ju- not only have you done something great for your, you know, ESG, but you've also actually acquired talent and retained that talent. And that has a positive impact on your business. So, you know, I think that that is part of the business play case is that this isn't charity work. This is actually just smart hiring. And it's, it's a great way of accessing diverse talent pools. So I think that would be my first thing. I think otherwise the business case, you know, it's, it's all of those classic things. Any organization working with the public sector has an increasing need to demonstrate social value and, you know, programs like the one that we run, supporting young people who are kind of previously unemployed rather than only working with top graduates um, are really, really good ways that you can demonstrate your commitment to doing that. And equally with any organization that's got ambitions to be a B Corp, that's got investors to, you know, get on side because everybody is thinking about how you tick these boxes. And so doing that through talent and through the way that you acquire and retain your talent is just a really smart way because you're kind of killing multiple birds with one stone so i would say you know that is is the real kind of viability you know the the real case sorry for you know why you should be investing in talent you know at those early stages um not least because those young people will you know hopefully stay with your business and and help you to grow as they grow i think you've um painted a really great picture of what you know what you're trying to do and what good work's doing and and, and how social mobility should look but just to finish off are there any success stories um either in terms of individuals and or businesses really that you you wouldn't mind you know wouldn't mind sharing yeah it's a it's a really it's a really interesting one um so I'm going to answer this in a slightly roundabout way because the thing that really drove me to start Good Work was the program that I ran um, at my old company. And um, I want to kind of just tell the story of that in a bit more detail because it it is the thing that I always come back to. Um, so that was, and I, I, I can't by any means take all the credit for that. It was along with a couple of, of brilliant colleagues. Um, we set up and launched this program, um, which, you know, was just intended to, to do something because at the time as a business, we weren't really doing anything around, um, widening participation and working with young people from kind of lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, and to be honest, the business was skeptical. We ran our first program on a shoestring budget. Um, we did as, you know, there was kind of quite a small commitment, honestly, for, from the business to, you know, okay, well, you can bring in a few young people and we'll put a bit of resource towards it and you can have some volunteering time, but we're kind of not totally convinced. Um, several years later, the person who now runs that program has been, you know, now that I've kind of moved on, um, recently won an award at the social mobility awards for, for their impact. Um, 
it's a global program. So it takes place in that company's offices around the world, um, as well as continuing to take place in the UK. Um, and it's become part of the, the core fabric of that business and its CSR strategies. And, you know, I can remember when I would interview people who wanted to come and work for us kind of with, with nothing to do with our, um, grad, nothing to do with that program, sorry, who would say, oh, well, I've heard about the awesome kind of CSR stuff you do, like your work experience program that, that you run for young people. Um, and I used to kind of laugh and say like, oh yeah, I kind of set that up and, and I run that actually. Um, and I would sometimes come across other people from the business who would say to me, cause it was a pretty big business. Oh, you know, well maybe we could get, you know, this client involved with that program. And I'd be like, oh yeah, maybe you should ask the person who runs it. Um, so, you know, it was, um, a success kind of on a level that I don't think we could have ever predicted. And, I don't think the business would have predicted either because they wouldn't have let some like graduates three months into their careers um, run it if they if they had realized how substantial it was going to be. But the thing that really comes down to the the reason that I want to kind of talk about that as a success is that, that the one thing that really frustrated me about it was that the young people that we would work with would often probably not have been considered for entry-level roles because they didn't have the grades that, you know, we looked for. And so we had that missing piece, which was, okay, we do this great work experience program. We bring in clients to support it. Our clients love it. The young people do incredible things. And that was a consistent message is that in a week, the training and support that we gave them resulted in them putting together incredible presentations that they then delivered in front of our CEO and like our clients and senior partners from our firm. And these are 16 year olds who had never set foot in, a, in an office before and you know, could do that in less than a week. But then we just couldn't transition them into permanent roles in the business because they didn't go on to university necessarily or if they did they they didn't go to the sorts of universities that we hired from um and that's kind of that that's my why really that that's why I do what I do and the success of that program wasn't continues to be substantial and you know my um former employer is a huge advocate for for good work and for what I'm doing and they've been incredibly supportive and I continue to be engaged with lots of people there and and support their program as well and I'm really happy to see it continue to kind of grow under new leadership and and all of those things but I think that proved to me that any preconceptions you can have because I can remember the first day of the first program standing at the kind of doors of the office at like half past seven in the morning waiting for these young people to arrive with my colleague and her saying to me are you worried that this is all going to be a bit shit sorry I hope I can I don't know if I'm it's okay if I swear but um she was like are you worried that they're not going to be that good and everyone's going to be like why have you done this and it's just going to be a bit of a damp squib and I turned to her and I was like I have literally been worried about nothing but that for like the last three months as we gear up to this because we've made a big thing about how great this is going to be and a week later the Friday afternoon after the young people had given all their presentations and the program was wrapping up 
you know, we were bouncing off the walls because of the energy and the positivity that we felt and how incredibly successful this group of young people who on the Monday morning wouldn't take their coats off because they felt so afraid and so uncomfortable in this big corporate environment that we kept saying to them, you can take your coat off. Um, and we got breakfast and none of them ate anything because they were too scared and they felt so uncomfortable and so out of their depth. On the Friday evening, we had to kick them out of the building because they wouldn't leave and we wanted to go to the pub. Um, and we needed them to leave because they were under 18 and we were supervising them because they'd had such a positive experience. And it just taught me so much really. And yeah, I've, I've waffled on about that because it's a, an experience that's that's so close to my heart. But it, it's it's why I do what I do because I know that if organizations will simply give opportunity give programs like this a chance and young people like this a chance they will be astonished by just how brilliant and successful and how much joy it can bring those young not not just those young people but also everyone in your business you know people used to say during the program called springboard during springboard week the whole office buzzed like every year because everyone was so happy to have these incredible young people in and we used to have to like gatekeep to stop random people wandering in and like distracting from the training we were trying to run um because everyone wanted a piece of it um so the impact that that had you know from people coming in to interview with us saying we've heard about this awesome program that you do like i want to get involved with that when i work for you so our current employees literally banging our doors down because we would get so many volunteers wanting to be part of that program to those young people who would leave us after just a week with a a sense of confidence that you know they had not previously had to go on with their lives and the only thing that was missing for me was that I couldn't translate that into actually offering them permanent jobs at the end of it and so that's that's why we're running the pilot that we're running and I can only hope that six 12 months from now we've been able to replicate that on a much bigger scale um and have that directly lead into into roles that will change the trajectories of some of those young people permanently um but yeah I said I was waffling about three minutes ago and then I continued so I'll I'll stop now (laughs) that was some good good quality waffle there and I think it's uh I think it's a great place to finish I think the the impact it clearly had uh, that week on, on you and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, the people who, who were there. It, it just sounds great. And I think, well, I'm sure plenty of people may want to reach out to you after this. So what's the best way yeah. for them to do so for listening? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is goodwork.org.uk. Um, you can also just email me, felicity at goodwork.org.uk um, anytime. I'm also on LinkedIn um, and you know share lots of updates there as well about the work that we're doing. Um, and we as a business are on LinkedIn too. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably the best way. Um, but yeah, always very happy to, to talk early careers with anyone who will listen, um, because we're keen to, to make lots more great connections and partner with more businesses who'd like to get a little piece of, um, that, that success that, that I was just talking about, I guess. Fantastic. Felicity, thank you so much for being a part Um, of Talent and Growth. Thank you so much for having me.